I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. I've been talking about this guy for a long time and quite a bit here on The Real Brian Show as well. I've learned a lot from his book, A Wild Diet, as well as his podcast, The Fat-Burning Man, and have implemented his advice and practices into my health routine a lot. In fact, a lot of the stuff that I talk about here on The Real Brian Show comes from this man. And, you know, I know there are a lot, and I mean a lot of opinions out there on health, but man, this guy is somebody that I follow due to his balanced and I would even say extremely logical teachings. And besides, you know what? We're going to nerd out. So let's rock it. I am the real Brian. And thank you for joining me here on the real Brian show. It is such an honor having you really appreciate it. Real Brian That's the website. You can go there. And read through show notes. All of the links that we'll talk about will be on there. And of course, you know what? Join the Facebook group. It's open now. I had it closed for a while. I'm not quite sure why, but I opened it up. You can join it. We can get, you know, in touch, chat, have, hang out, have a good time, drink espresso, uh, get crazy. I don't know. It's up to you, man. We're going to just, 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 just enjoy. Enjoy. That's what I want you to do today is have a great time. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. So I have been uh, wanting to get this guy here on uh, The Real Brian Show now for quite some time. In fact, I think it's been about six months or so that I was trying to to get him on. And, uh, you know, persistence pays off, right? But at the same time, I wanted to bring him on, not just because he's a cool guy, but because he's got so many great things to say. I started the whole health thing years ago, probably about five years ago, when I read Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Body. I'd go to the doctor, they'd get my blood work done, and they'd be like, you know what, your your levels are a little off, so you know, watch your blah, 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 whatever it was, saturated fats, breads, whatever. So they'd say, stop eating white breads. So then I went over to the whole grain stuff, and I started eating the whole grains and all of that brown rice and everything, and I'd get my blood work done. Stop eating white breads. Like, I'm not. I'm eating whole grains. Uh, we'll eat less. Stop eating sugar. <laughs> okay. It was just all this stuff constantly, and I read uh, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Body it was just kind of like an education that I'd never had before. As much as I love bread, they're really not that good for us. And so maybe I should experiment a little bit and try dropping breads and grains for, you know, six days a week, basically is what he said. Drop the sugar, drop some fruit down and really just focus on healthy proteins and vegetables for the most part. So that's what I did. And it was amazing. It worked really, really well. I actually lost a lot of weight. My blood work went back to normal. It was phenomenal. But the problem was, is I got very bored with that regimen. It was literally eating the same few meals over and over. And after a while, I'm like, this is crazy. So I fell off the bandwagon, gained some of the weight back, went back to some of the foods I enjoyed because I, I got to have some fun foods. So that was a problem. And then I remember a few years later looking around, I'm going, I want to find not just a diet, but I want to find something that I can latch onto and make a healthy lifestyle something that has the variety that I'm looking for in food and in taste and all that flavor that I do. And I ran across the TV show, My Diet is Better Than Your Diet. We got to see a bunch of contestants with experts, Abel being one of them, from different, quote, diet plans or or whatever, 
they all came on the show and they all basically competed against each other to, you know, see which diet would help to lose the most weight and among other things. So we watched it and I remember really trying to latch on to certain people. And there were actually, I think, three different diet plans that I liked. And I thought I could go with these. These are things I could sustain. But I remember watching the series and then Sarah and I went out and we bought the wild diet book and we read through it. I loved it. It was fascinating. Abel's got a very interesting perspective based on his history in the food industry. It was very, very cool. And so we started cooking out of his book. We started implementing some of these things and my health has gotten significantly better. I was never really a fat person for any means. I mean, I had some extra, but it was very interesting. We put it into practice. His recipes are amazing. And not to mention that since then, since reading Wild Diet, I've read some other reputable authors and they have all corroborated what Abel is saying here. Abel promotes a lifestyle over a diet. So that's why I wanted to bring him on the show. I was so excited about it. It's something that's worked well for me. Love the guy. He's a great guy. He's got a great podcast as well. And it was just a fascinating book. I'm very excited about this. Abel James, New York Times bestselling author, modern day renaissance man. One of America's most trusted names in health and performance. Stars as a celebrity coach on the ABC television series that I was telling you about. And has been featured in People Magazine, Wired, Entertainment Tonight, and NPR. Abel is the host of the Fat Burning Man podcast, which is a number one podcast in eight plus countries. Abel has helped millions of people reclaim their health and perform at their best with cutting edge science, technology, outdoor adventures, and outrageously good food. And I can totally attest to that. Abel, welcome to the real Brian show, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's so Brian-ish already. <laughs> so we call him the real Abel now? Is that kind of... Yeah, we can use that. There aren't many other Ables, though. It's been pretty that's easy true. for me to pull that one off from a SEO perspective. Yeah, well, that's true. There's a lot oh. of Brian's. It's <laughs> yes, that's why you have to be the real one. That's right. I know everybody else keeps asking, you know, so what does that make every other Brian? And I just keep saying invalid. It's just what it is. But, you know, we'll, we'll move forward. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. I, I appreciate your time. I'm excited. I really am excited and honored to have you on. You know, I go a little ways back with finding out about you. I got into this whole thing. This was probably five years ago, and I had read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body, and I thought, you know what? I should probably start taking care of my body. I'm getting to be that yeah. age now where it's like, go from there. And it worked. It was fantastic. I got down to a great weight. I got my blood work. But the one thing about it that I, I didn't do well on is, you know, he advocates eating the same few meals over and over. And I got to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. <laughs> I, need, yeah. I need some variety. That's a lot of beans, man. Uh, that is a ton of eggs and beans. And that's yeah. just your body. <laughs> I think one of the reasons people lose weight is just, it's not appetizing. Yeah. I love eggs personally, but yeah, beans, uh, I can only take so much. Well, yeah. When you combine those two together, you can make it good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh, I yeah. love Mexican food. Absolutely. Totally. When you're eating the same stuff every day, it's like, a little bit of canned spinach and and beans and eggs or meat. I think that's typically, it's kind of like paleo plus beans ish. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to him when I had him on the show way back. I think the first time I asked him about that, I'm like, Tim, do you stand by your beans? And he's like, <laughs> I stand by my beans. Abel. <laughs> it was pretty great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I found myself kind of falling off that bandwagon a little bit and started to gain a little bit of weight back and stuff. But I remember going and I was telling my wife, Sarah, I said, we need to find something that I can turn more into a lifestyle rather yeah. than it being just a diet. And that's when we stumbled across. Well, first of all, we had read, you know, books from other great authors who had very similar things to say that you do as well. Some of them a little more scientific than uh, my brain could handle. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's what it is. I mean, that's when we stumbled across my diet is better than your diet. 
And I thought mm-hmm. this will be interesting. Let's let's watch this. I'm curious to get everybody's, you know, take on this and see who succeeds and, you know, how much, of course, is spun by, you know, TV shows because there's editing, of course, in there, uh, you know, that is kind there? of stuff. Oh, gosh. Don't we know that? Oh, my God. So it's kind of like, OK, you know, we'll, we'll get what we can. But I have to say that I immediately latched on to what you were saying, even in the first episode. And I had a couple of other people in there that I thought that's pretty cool, too, you know. But I loved it, and I loved the fact that you were bringing in so much of that variety because that was the one thing that I was missing was a variety in a healthy diet. Gotcha. And then also knowing that, again, this this isn't a diet. I want it to be a lifestyle. Yeah. And so I was very impressed. We, you know, once the show was over, got your book, read your book, all that. And I'd heard of your show before that, just being a podcaster. So, it, you know, the rest is history. And, of course, we'll get into that a little bit more. But first of all, here's something a little funny here. What are you nerding and geeking out about right now? I nerd and geek out every day, usually for <laughs> hours. That's what most people don't understand because they think I'm like that burning man or like this. I'm a little bit in my Captain America persona when most people have heard me uh, on the TV show, too. I'm like on my best behavior. But most of the time I'm on my worst behavior nerding out <laughs> over new music and recording gear. Because okay. one of the reasons my podcast does well is because it sounds pretty good or I try to make it sound as good as I can. Yeah. And my first career has been as a musician since I was eight. Since I was eight playing clarinet, like polka in bands. Nice. I've played thousands of shows all over the the world. And so that's like my main thing. And I just geek out over the gear. And right now, stuff that costs $200,000 five years ago, 10 years ago, you can plug into your iPhone for like 20 bucks oh, or yeah. 200 bucks. You know, like the gear yeah. that you can get now is crazy. And then it's infinite distribution on the internet, essentially. So if you can find a way to hook up with people on the other end, it doesn't matter if you're making music or if it's spoken word or if it's a picture or video or what have you. So I've been geeking out on new like 3D gear Ooh. and HD video combined with audio in the same workflow. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm, I'm interested in that even (laughs) I would like to start doing video too. And I, you know, I'm an audio guy. I don't know the video stuff as much, but I need to learn. It's a leap. It, it it adds a ton of complexity for sure, but it makes you a lot better at being on video. That sounds like kind of a useless vanity skill, but you'll find that it translates to interacting with people in day-to-day life, going Mm -hmm. up on stage and speaking there. I know I got, I can watch my early videos when I first started doing it and then after doing it every week for years, you just have to get better and tune yourself yeah. up. And like I do my own editing too. I have help with the uploading and the downloading and some of the other editing from a production standpoint, which is mostly my wife, Allison, but we do it together. But I chop up my own audio and video a lot. And so I'm always geeking out on the production side of things. Mm, I love that. That's neat, you know, and you're so right about the gear in general. I mean, I, I did radio for years and I'm a musician as well. And I play the right. piano. Of piano. Course, of course, you know, yeah. Pianos don't seem to, they're just as expensive as ever, but you know. keyboards though. I just got one oh, yeah. for, I got the combination. I rig, I keys. I think it's from IK multimedia or something like that. Okay. Keyboard that, that goes right into my iPad or phone. So I can use that as the brain for whatever synthesizer I want for like 50 bucks or 75 bucks really? or something like that. Oh my God, it's so cheap now. It's crazy. Now, is it a full 88 key with weighted and everything too? You can get that. Those ones cost a little more, but I realized that the first instrument I actually played, I think, and had fun with wasn't a traditional one. It was one of those 
like old Casio or Yamaha keyboards that took those big batteries that I think my parents got at a yard sale for like two bucks in the 80s, right? Like one of those, it had the Samba, right? Oh, yeah. And it had, (laughs) (laughs) and you could play different keys and make it sound all, well, usually stupid. And so I would just play it with my brothers until we laughed because the music was so stupid. And um, that's why I do what I do. That's at the end of the day is to, is to hopefully get to that point. <laughs> I love it. I, I had that Casio keyboard too, you know, the little, uh, I think it was a 40 something key at the time, you know, and yeah, the yeah. little Samba and all those little crazy 80 yeah. synth sounds that, you know, had no, no quality at all, but man, they were fun. So this one reminds me of that. Cause it's light. You can like put it next to your iPad and, and go to a coffee shop and play it if you wanted to. And so there's something to be said, I think for that piece of it, right. It's its mm-hmm. own experience. I remember there's an album or a few albums where, Ray Charles plays like a toy piano and Stevie wonder, like some of their hits are recorded on a toy piano that they just, it had this sound or this feel or something where that music came out. So now is this, I'm curious, like, are you getting all of your sounds through your iPad then? You can, but it can also go into your computer. So right now I'm trying to figure out which things I should hook up to which other things. So for example, the keyboard could go to an iPhone that I have or an iPad but the, my iPad is also the brain for the amp, which has a whole cloud, basically virtual guitar sounds that I can use to program the guitar. And I even have, this is probably the geekiest thing that I haven't let out to the world yet, but I do own and regularly play a wind synthesizer. Oh, have you ever seen one of those things? No, it is probably the dumbest thing <laughs> that anyone has ever invented because it's basically like it takes a clarinet and imagine a clarinet like existed in the Star Wars Next Generation universe and data played it. Yeah. And that's the instrument that I'm talking about. Oh, and, uh, nice. It's pretty fun. It's really <laughs> stupid. It's it's so fun. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, but the cool thing is, is that I was just thinking about this because, you know, being a again, being an old radio person, you know, and then doing the music and stuff. I'm like, we need new music. There's been a lot well, of music yeah. that's just getting recycled now style wise. And we need yeah. something that's a little bit different, a little bit new and, and something like that. You know, you never know. It's the industry. It's the same reason that we have horrible movies. that are so like, how could you spend millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars on a movie with a script that bad or with oh. actors that can't act? Seriously. How can these pop stars get so rich and famous yet they can't sing or dance or do any of their own music? It's like, <laughs> here's the problem. I was super pissed off about this way back in the day when I was a teenager as a musician and um, I got really into it. That's what my first book was about was was some of this stuff. But I did a project while I was at college that just railed on the music industry and pop music and said, we can make this better because right now we're just getting schlopped, this manufactured nonsense from yeah. these big companies that are pandering to the wor- you know the lowest parts of human nature. But if you look at some of the lyrics any song, like any of the top songs in the past 10 or 20 years, you can see pretty clearly that things are getting worse, oh, yeah. not better. That's why we need people like you <laughs> and uh, and me and other wackos to start, I guess, putting out stuff on the airwaves so that yeah. people have a, an alternative. Because I used to listen to radio that was kind of independent and mm-hmm. they played Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and, and old Dylan songs, but the good ones, the countercultural ones. And you yeah. just don't hear that anymore. And so that's why I think we need to start doing that. Oh yeah. Well, you know, honestly, that is the purpose of this show is to bring things one variety, which, you know, everyone yeah. says you can't do that. You have to niche. And I thought, you know what? I don't know anyone so far 
that wants me to niche. If I niched, I'd lose everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? But also I think it's important to bring stuff that people don't expect or hear anymore. You know, because just like you said, it's become a very corporate. I mean, like you said, even with the movies, it's all about reboots and sequels because there's a built in audience. But where are the original stories? People want that. Yeah, they need that. Oh, yeah. To, be- to withstand what we're up against now in the world, we need some good art. And so yeah. that's what I'm doing this year, especially good. last year, actually, after the TV show and we got like a big swell in attention and our business started doing really well. That was actually the first year that I paid myself Oh, nice! Uh, online. And yeah. I didn't pay myself on purpose. Right. There are benefits to that, like growing a team. And sure. I wanted to grow more than I cared about our financial future. But, you know, if we want to have kids and, you know, a place <laughs> to live, you have to start setting it up so that you can actually do that. But yeah. now having gotten to that point where the struggle and the grind is mostly in the rearview mirror. We can, we can pick out whatever projects we want to do. And almost all of them are very, they feel urgent, but it's very, you know, on the surface, it would look like kind of silly art, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to, you know, you have that freedom. It sounds like. Well, I am 32. Yeah. And I just realized that I'm kind of, <laughs> Does that make sense? I did. No, I understand. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you, you go from the corporate world into the entrepreneur side of things and it takes time. So I'm curious one thing though, how long ish has it taken for you to, you know, grow basically to where you're at right now where you're saying, you know, okay, we, we paid ourselves or we're, we're kind of in yeah. that freedom ish area, but I mean, how, what, how long was it? <laughs> I've been there a few times and sure. the first time I was there, I was happily broke for the first time in my life because I had to take on loans in college yeah. to go to college. I also paid my way to uh, private high school through scholarships and loans and working my butt off. So I've been working since I was playing music starting at eight years old. And then I started working as a stonemason's assistant when I was 11, which is my dad was a stonemason. Then I started buying and selling stuff on eBay, putting mm-hmm. computer parts together and musical instruments and buying and selling that stuff. And then I started moonlighting, doing computer programming and all that. So I've been, <laughs> Dude, you and, sound like me. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm all, all over the place, over the, yeah. all over the place. And <laughs> when I first, it wasn't even, I paid off my loans, but I found a way back then I was getting 5% interest on my checking account. Wow. It was a special checking account. I know yeah. it was crazy. And I was like, wow, what? So this is crazy. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, obviously, because some of my loans were about 5%. And yeah. then, but you get 0% for a year on credit cards. And so I, I had good credit because I had had loans and had been broke for so long that I had paid my stuff off. <laughs> and then after kind of paying a bunch of that stuff down, but not all of it and working with the numbers somewhat, I had that 0% interest, but I was making 5% and I was paying off this other stuff, got rid of the nasty loans. I, I remember I was on my bed. I sat up against the wall and I just took a deep breath and went, <gasps> And I think I had $20,000 in my bank account and I owed like $20,000 still. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is what it feels like to not owe, you know, $40,000 to the world. (laughs) That sucks because, you know, especially people now, you take on that debt far before you realize what it is. I think people buying the house, it's the same thing. It's like, do you really understand what a 30 year mortgage is? Oh yes. <laughs> because you're 22 and, uh, 
it's a, you know, even for me, owning a house for five years was a huge commitment. And even when I was making money then, it's like, is the house, you know, if something goes wrong, then all of a sudden it's 10 grand in a weekend when the AC unit goes out and I have to drag out a dead raccoon from the crawl space. Oh, yeah. The other complications <laughs> and the responsibilities that come with it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So up and down, up and down every year for years. And now it's like when you build a business, I could have made a ton of money a long time ago if I wanted to. I've turned down 10 times more money than I made mm. uh, over and over and over again. And it it hurts like your day to day ego, but it helps you sleep at night knowing that you are only picking the stuff that is the best for the world. Hopefully. So and you make saying, mistakes. You just do the best you can. Yeah. So you're saying you turn down offers from other people or jobs. Is that what you're talking about? Mm hmm. OK. Like jobs, but mostly once my blog and podcast started started going, my online platform, you can imagine that being called Fat Burning Man, how many ridiculous, you know, shamelessly promotional fat burning pill offers gotcha. I got to promote to my following gotcha. or to advertise on the show. And I'm like, have you ever <laughs> listened to a second of me talking? Because I rail against that. Every chance I get, this is what yeah. the whole thing is about. But clearly they don't care enough to, to, you know, they're in it for money. So no, of course they haven't listened. They yeah. just decided that I was big enough from whatever weird behind the scenes metric they use with their internet marketing gurus to figure out that you're someone who needs to sell their crap. Um, and that's what it is. And so you just get barraged by that. And then there's really cool stuff too. Like you sent an email, I think a few times before yeah. I actually got to respond and be like, oh, this guy's cool. Yeah, let's do something. But it's just... <laughs> I get maybe hundreds of times more of that crap than I do the good stuff from real people yeah. who are doing real stuff. And so that's the real challenge now. It's like, I want to get back to as many real people as I can, but it probably helps that you're called the real Brian. That's <laughs> you know, probably what did it for you. Because I, I, I reached out back in September and I thought, you know what? I know Abel's busy, but I'm just going to I'm just going to keep reaching out and hopefully eventually, you know, it'll work out. And we'll see. And, yeah. and no rush because, you know, I, I knew you were probably getting bombarded. I mean, that was what I suspected. And obviously you were, you know, it's interesting. I think once you hit the, the top 200 in iTunes or the top 100, that's when people start to go, Oh, like you said, those algorithms, Oh, let's start reaching out to this person and, you know, yeah. see about sponsorships and, you know, Oh, we want to be a guest on your show and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then of course they're offering to be on your show too. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great because yeah, that's another part. That's an email. I probably get some days, 10 other wow. days, more than a hundred. They're just like, Here's a great, you know, big fan of your work, Abel. I have a great idea for a guest on your podcast. <laughs> it's me. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Can we book for next week on Tuesday at eight o'clock in the morning? And uh, I just oh, get my. so many of those. I try not to take it personally, but it does. Oh, yeah. It's like, what? Really? Come on. Because yeah. I'll tell you what. I have gone on hundreds, maybe at this point over the years, thousands or at least over a thousand of other people's podcasts, there are probably less than 10 exceptions where I've sent an email and be like, hey, like, can I come on your show or something like that? But that's pretty much only friends mm -hmm. or whatever. And I have something that I think would be good for their show. But all of those other ones have been people reaching out to me asking, like, do you want to come on my show? Not, can I be on your show? It's just like the gall that that takes in a lot of cases. There are exceptions, like I said, but that is um, so different than you say inviting me on your show yeah because that's um that's what this should should all be about it's collaboration it's totally. not like here i am can i take something from you <laughs> well there's teaching out there about 
you know, go out and ask to be on somebody else's show. Cause that's what do they say? That's one of the best ways that you grow your podcast is go be oh, a guest Lord. on someone else's show. And I thought, well, yeah, that's true. You get access to their audience, but then they go on and say, you know, go in and ask to be on someone's show. And I thought, man, I just, I, there's something in me that I just can't do that. Yeah. It doesn't well, feel respectful to me. I know a lot of the gurus, let's say on a personal level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> I know a little bit too much about some of these folks to take them seriously, but I can say that most of the advice that's given in that world in in like the business and entrepreneurial world as well is meant to kind of keep you starving for more information in the next thing. And it doesn't like the tactics that they're mm. selling are not the things that work. Those aren't the things that make a podcast big or, or what have you. And um, the people who are selling it usually aren't interested in teaching the actual answer or even in what the actual answer is. So uh, you have to be very careful with that because yeah, I can't be totally honest because I never want to like rail against other people um, specifically. Right. I would never want to take anyone down. Sure, sure. It was for the greater good. But there is light and dark on both sides. Yeah. You know, it's before coming on the real Brian show, you know, I'd, I'd done a bunch of other podcasts, but I did a podcast called Profit Cast. And mm. the whole point was me saying, I don't know how to grow our podcasts. You know, I had come from the world of radio. So I was going, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here, but let's go on a journey. Let's interview the experts. And yeah. I did. And, and I, you know, granted some of these, some of these people that I interviewed are fantastic people, but yeah. after a while I did start to suspect, I said, okay, two things are happening here. They either succeeded and have no idea how they succeeded and they were just <laughs> talking around in circles yeah. or they're hiding all of the success, all of the stuff that actually works. And they're just giving us stuff that's like network marketing, you know, in order to get you right. in and help the top make a lot more money. And I thought, what's well, going on here? Because I'm not getting anything that actually really works. No. Yeah. They're not selling the stuff that works because they don't know how it works. They're like, <laughs> if you look at their actual social media channels, even the people who are selling social media advice have no idea how yeah. social media works. And it's just so funny to me because like some people, you know, especially share their numbers or whatever. And and they're all yelling at me because they want to come on my show for it. Of <laughs> course. Know, a lot of them too. And so I just get to watch from afar sometimes. And I'm like, the numbers that they're talking about. They don't even add up. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. But also they're they're low and they're a lot lower because yeah. people only share their gross numbers. And you know how hard it is to make a living, or you're figuring it out, to make a living doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. And there are a lot of hidden costs. Oh yeah. A ton of hidden costs. Yeah. Uh, it, building a team, hiring employees, stuff like that, extra taxes, like starting this up in America. You know, conventional wisdom would have you believe that it's very easy and America is friendly to start businesses, but there are a lot of things that are stacked against you. It totally. makes it hard and super expensive, especially for people who don't have money. The, the less money you have, the more expensive it is to it's do anything. True. And the longer it takes, yeah. And the longer it takes. So oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I've one, seen people buy their way to success and everything. So let me ask you this then, just for fun here. Is, is there one thing that you would say, hey, this works that goes against common... <laughs> You know what I mean? It goes against conformity. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the first year that I started my podcast, I had been a gigging musician at that point already for over probably two decades, right? So I did come with a lot of experience and people are like, where'd you go? You came from nowhere. And then you took down <laughs> Jillian Michaels. And so I got a million-ish downloads the first year, which was wow. crazy to me because yeah. I wanted to change like a million lives. That was so important to me to, yeah. to take down Jillian Michaels and change a million lives with, with the truth and real information because I- I came from a place of being sick 
and at my lowest and I just lost everything in an apartment fire and I had taken the wrong advice from both my doctor and people like Jillian Michaels and I got fat and sick and I was just pissed. I I wanted people to have an alternative. But anyway, so that was the first year, which sounds like a lot. And I got like uh, three or four different awards those years when people were celebrating themselves in the podcast world and giving awards, <laughs> you know, in number one podcast in more than eight countries around the world, huge, like really cool back then. But that stuff has happened so much less in the years that have followed. I've taken some breaks with the podcast and what have you. It still ranks really mm-hmm. well. It's still, you know, very much out there, but, um, much less of that stuff has happened. Yeah. And yet in those years that some of the quietest, for me, while I'm kind of doing the same thing or even on autopilot sometimes, right now I'm releasing it every two weeks instead of every one. Mm-hmm. I've had 25 million downloads. Wow. So it's like, oh, holy crap. So I would say pay attention to the long tail. Pay attention to the month on month trend of uh, you know your cash flow, of course, just to make sure that you're healthy and you can still do this and you don't hurt your family or the people you care about financially, right? Like you want to be smart. And if you have to take other gigs or keep your regular job for a while, that's great. That's how you do it. You mm-hmm. have to moonlight. You have to just you find a way to make it work if you want it bad enough. And that's what I would just say. You have to. I still have that. No amount of money will change that for me. The only thing that that does is it allows me to not have to stay up at night worrying about it. Yeah. See, that's that, big. That is worth so much more to me than a yacht. I think Jerry Seinfeld said, I'd rather be on a surfboard than a yacht. <laughs> and I have always had that mentality. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to own a bunch of crap. I want to have a great time and be free. Yeah, that's great. You're saying that, you know, we, I, in fact, I just had a, a great story from a friend of ours who, you know, she's, she's been through a lot in her life and she's a little older now. And she finally just said, you know what, I'm going to sell most of my stuff. I'm going to downsize yep. and I'm going to move yep. to Hawaii because I can. And right? I thought, what a great inspiration right there, you know? That's life. Yeah. This is the life that we actually have right now, but might not, (laughs) right? Like literally by the end of the day, freaky to think about that freezes most people. So they don't do anything about it. And they try to just push it off into the back ends of their consciousness somewhere where it's gathering dust in the back ends of their mind. But you can literally move to Hawaii today too, if you you really wanted to. And that would be great. Yeah. For some people. I I mean, Oh yeah. you You never know. That's right. Try it out. Try it out for a few weeks, few months, whatever. As if you're struggling with money, that's the best time to do it. You know what? <laughs> I went on my first cross-country road trip that lasted months when I was broke for the first time because I wasn't in debt anymore. <laughs> you know? And did I drive my diesel on recycled vegetable oil? Yes, I did. <laughs> I found ways to make it work. Wow. But it worked. You find that's the fun part. Like people don't understand that if you go from not really having money, which has been my experience for, for the vast majority of my life to having money, you forget how fun it is to be broke. It's yeah. so fun because the limitations are the things that are like built in choices. So you don't have to think about it, but think about it this way. If you can choose from three channels of what to watch on TV or three podcasts, pretty easy, which one to pick. Sure. But if you have to pick from like over a million. Oh Yeah super hard. Yeah. So being broke takes away some of your options and only leaves you other little ones, but some of them may include Hawaii. And so if you're broke, then living on a beach is pretty cheap. That's true. <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> That's actually what the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy dude 
did for a while. He was like bumming, I think, in Hawaii, actually. Oh, really? For a while. You done Chris yeah. Pratt? Yeah. And then eventually he worked his way up to um, where he is now, which is an A-lister. Yeah. Oh, geez. His career has been very interesting. Speaking of that. I think it's a great nobody. example of what you've got to do. Like, clearly yeah. he learned something and he learned, I, I would say this, and I don't want to like speak for him, obviously, but clearly he learned that life, you shouldn't take it too seriously and you just kind of keep moving forward. And also you keep evolving that he built his career on being kind of the fat, schlubby, kind of funny guy. Yeah. Right. That persona and that archetype. And then he got shredded and started being an A-lister. Uh, you know, starring in the in the new Jurassic Park movies yeah. and, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy and then a bunch of other crappy movies, too. Whatever. He seems like he's having a great time. Some of the movies are great. Have you seen the new Guardians one? I've yeah. only seen the Yeah, just Is saw it any it. good? Oh, I loved it. You know, and it's good. OK, I mean, they're all fun, right? Did you like the first one? I loved the first one. Then, yeah, you'll like it. I mean, it's different, right? Can they live up to the first one sort of thing? But there are right. a lot of wonderful things in the second one. And there are some things that was kind of like, well, you know, it, it wasn't bad. But it was yeah. okay. But I would say for the most part, it was it was excellent. Good. Really enjoyed it. We need more good stuff. I know. You know, especially, okay, Star Wars. Yes. Owned by the dark side now. Yeah. This is weird, right? Because, okay, do you know anything about my wife, Allison, her, her past career as a gamer? Yes, that's, yes. Well, I don't know a lot of the details, but I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. So anyway, she has been, geeking out on this stuff for a long time and, sure. and she was mostly in first person shooters and that that whole world and competing in that but eventually it That's brought awesome. her into the video game world professionally so she was working with bioware here in austin which is owned That's by ea right. yeah worked on the new star wars game which which one new back then i think it was 2014 13 was this the star wars old republic, republic? Yes. the massively yeah yeah fantastic so basically game. world of warcraft but in star wars mm -hmm. Super cool game yeah. and all that, but owned by Disney now. And so it's like, yeah, what I think Star Wars and nerd culture used to mean kind of obviously light side, yeah. right? You're fighting for good. It's the rebellion. But now what most people don't realize about these big network companies, essentially, and, and Disney as well, is that they are intellectual capital companies that are made up of like lawyers who own stuff and say that you can't say things anymore. You can't do that with a brand or, yeah. or what have you. Yeah. And that's just like scary. That's dark side. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's something we, yeah. Oh my gosh. But they're playing with our childhoods. Yes. And they take it and they, yes, they take it from, will they, you know, cause I mean, there's been a lot of speculation out there about the new movie coming out and it's kind of like, will they actually go there or not? Kind yeah. of thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. And because and, now, what happens is, and I remember playing, did you play the original Diablo on PC back in the day? I played two and three. Two and three. Okay, yep. so two yeah. was pretty similar to the first one. Really uh -huh. dark and edgy and scary. Yeah. And man, I would put on my headphones and play that game for hours and just be absorbed into that oh, world. Yeah. It was so different and unique, uh, but edgy, right? And you could yeah. tell they didn't have all the, it had tons of glitches and people hacked it and whatever. Oh, but yeah. that was but that was part of the fun. That totally. was like part of the culture back then. And then I played the new one on platform PS4 when it came out with Allison because there's so few like couch co-op games anymore. Oh gosh, and that's so true. <laughs> so I was pretty stoked because Diablo, like she had never really played that. I'm like, this is one of my favorite games. We start playing it and it's just like totally hack and slash like 1004 
billion things of gold explode <laughs> yeah. every time you hit somebody. You're getting all these points. You never have to worry about leveling up because it's all done automatically for you now. You don't have to worry about like dexterity points or you oh, can't yeah. handle this certain weapon or whatever. They just decided yeah. to take all the thinking out of it for people to make it appeal to the public. And so you can just mash buttons and it doesn't matter anymore. And that is not gaming anymore no. to me. Right. Isn't that taking the soul out of it? You know, that's very interesting that you said that because with Star Wars Old Republic, in fact, you know, I played that years ago. I played World of Warcraft years ago yeah. and then came back, you know, stopped and then came back to, to WoW and came back to Star Wars actually not that long ago. In fact, we just let our subscription run out again because they had all of that new storyline. And mm -hmm. I thought I want to play through the new storyline. But something that I noticed that they did with with WoW and with Star Wars is they took away the character customization that you could do. Yeah. So it's right. like, you know, you could create in in World of Warcraft, you could create a death knight and it would be unique to your play style. And mm -hmm. that's how you would, you know, win a battle. You had to figure yeah. it out. Well, nowadays it's like you can only do this thing and there's it's, you know, common across the board. And we thought this isn't even a game anymore. You know, this is just it's boring. And the same thing yeah. with Star Wars. They took away your your companion customizations and all of that. And I thought well, now I'm invincible. <laughs> so, yeah, right. And you're right. Well, that's how you feel. Yeah. That's how you feel. You feel. That's what I noticed when I kind of I did the same thing. I went away from games for a while and then I came back. And back then yeah. you had to worry not only about like uh, dying in the game because of actually dying in the game, but like the power was janky and the, the machines you were running on were janky. And so you were worried about losing your progress for so many totally, different reasons. Totally. But that was part of the fun. That's what made it worth it to like go through. Do you remember playing Super Nintendo, Mortal Kombat, or any of the Street Fighter games? I remember oh, yeah. playing oh, yeah. Street Fighter, Street yeah. Fighter 2, and it's so dumb. There's like a 10-second ending for all of the characters, right? But I would play for hours with those different <laughs> characters just so I could see, like, Ryu with a waterfall for a oh, second yeah. Yeah. at the end. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And like Contra and all those, you just keep fighting through it. And that's that's original Nintendo, actually. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So no, you're, and you're right. When you, bit, when you have that realism that you go in and you can feel like, Hey, I may you die. Could lose. Yeah. I may you lose. Exactly. Lose. I could yeah. lose. And you have something yeah. to lose And those. Yeah. It's like you would lose a character that you built yes. in Diablo sometimes for various reasons, but like, wow, that is cool. And like, it sucks obviously. Right. Yeah. But man, that, what a cool thing to kind of create in someone that they actually feel like they lost something that they built, but this could be good or evil, right? Like people can be too obsessed with video games and get too obsessed with, oh, yeah. built. but they turned down the art department to like 2%, right? They yeah. turned down all the people who are making the creative decisions. They turned up the marketers and you see that happen in music, TV, video games, and all these industries at the same time. And it's gotten worse. And I think the reason is, is because it's all owned by the same people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's all the same thing. And that's why we keep getting glopped. So anyway, the good news is that with the gear that we were just talking about, if you apply that to programming, then you can make a video game on your iPhone. You can program. Yeah. I remember I programmed my first game when I was like uh, 14 or 15 in Flash. But the computer that you needed back then cost thousand, like thousands of dollars. Now... You could get something for literally like 20 or 50 bucks that could do a hundred times more than that. It's just shocking. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I was starting to wonder if I was just like, okay, is it, is it me? Am I getting, you know, uh, like desensitized or something like that? Because I have felt less moved by music, yeah. movies, video games, TV shows, all that by art. Basically, you know, you call it art in general. 
and, and I've been less moved. And I thought, man, what's going on here? Like, am I getting old? You know, not, not really. I'm thinking like, no, I'm, I'm not. It's something's changed. Well, all right. Who is your <laughs> Beatles? Who is your Bob Dylan? Who is your Rolling Stones? David Bowie? Like I could go on forever, but yeah, like, yeah. who was that for our generations? Gosh, Jimi Hendrix. Are you kidding? Right? Yeah. Like these people didn't just represent innovation in music. And I'm leaving out a lot of people like Charlie Parker, Miles sure. Davis, the whole jazz world, right? Like who are ours? John Mayer. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> ben Affleck. <laughs> like, God, why did you say that name? Sorry. Of course, <laughs> of course we get the Robin Williams as well. And we yeah, get some true. people who are truly, uh, talented, but, uh, but he wasn't our generation per se. No, he wasn't. Yeah. I think, you know, and a lot of that generation, unfortunately, is dying off, yeah. including some of the names that I just met, like David Bowie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So amazing. Such as Prince, such startling examples of just like being so unique that you cannot deny whatever that person has and what you think of them. Like they've got something. Yeah. You know, this is interesting because like, you know, seeing the I was at the Independence Day reboot last year. I guess it was mm -hmm. a sequel. Mm -hmm. And then the Ghostbusters reboot. Both came out last year. Both had original cast members from the original yep. movies. And yeah. it was so interesting to contrast the original cast members with the new cast members. And, you know, the original cast members have charm and they have life and they have personality and they have chemistry. And then yep. you see the new cast members and they're flat and they have nothing. Yeah. And I saw that in both movies and we were going, what is it about this movie that just didn't connect? And that's what we figured it out. And I went, yep. yeah, what's happening? But it's, it's not just that. It's not just movies. It's like you said, it's, it's a everything. generation of uh, like just no art, no feeling. No one's real. Cause no one's really doing anything or saying anything. They're just kind of there. Yeah, and yeah. that's what um, I also realized with the whole star thing, because I, I was a star on ABC for a while and I was like on different shows that they pawned me around on as an asset, essentially as a star. But you do not want to be a star. That is such an illusion. What you really want to be is self-sufficient and self-reliant. Hmm. Uh, and if you're in that ecosystem, then you are talent that is exploited and there is fresh meat lined up behind you like it's American Idol. Anytime you see someone on, on mainstream TV, it's essentially there are people lined up behind them that'll do it for free, that'll sell their souls to do it ever just to be on television. Yeah. Man, you just really, the whole Hollywood thing and New York, that side of things, auditioning for commercials, I always hoped that there would be a different and better way to do it. And there is. The internet has changed everything. And now yes. that it's gone mobile, it's it's about to change even more because people who who seriously don't have money will now be coming online and be connected and can collaborate and do such cool stuff together. Yeah, yeah. that is that is rad. That's true. And I, I agree that, you know, that was the one thing I saw in the music industry as well. You know, going along with that was you're seeing these record labels that are not in it for the fans anymore. They're not in it for the art of the music, creating beautiful yeah. music. They're in it to hit been deadlines and make money. And that's it. And that's been true for too long. Yeah. That's been true. I remember I was an uh, undergrad at Dartmouth. This was my freshman year, and I was taking a class on music and computers. And the mm. guy who ran the class, the professor, he built synthesizers for like oh, Frank wow. Zappa and a bunch of people back in the 70s. So he knew a lot of people in the industry. And there was one major executive who came to sp speak at the class, and he said, this is the state of the music industry now. 
if there, imagine this, imagine that, you know, all of these executives and there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of these executives all flying in gigantic airplanes above the United States and they all went down at the same time, the world would be better off. Yeah. That's what he said. He's one of the executives. And I was like, oh what? <laughs> Who says that? This, yeah. this was a crazy class. But when he just kind of rambled on for it, he talked for, it must've been over an hour. It sh- you know, shocked me so much. I was like, wow, well, this makes sense. You know, uh, music is a product. It's not art. If you want to try to sell a CD today, like if you want to make money as a musician, the answer is you've just got to find kind of a different way of doing it because even record companies can't make money selling music anymore. Yeah. Um, it's been no in a nosedive tailspin for a while. That's why you see all these artists selling shoes and on billboards selling like luxury diamonds and hats and what, you know, whatever, because that's what a star is. It's basically the commercial like as part of the deal, most of the time, you have to be okay with having your name slapped on billboards next to whatever product you may or may not agree with. And wow, that's, yee, don't sign that contract, right? Yeah, I've seen yeah. that contract a few times and they try to trick you into <laughs> signing it sometimes, right? Like oh, yeah. there are some shady, the whole industry and business side of things is, is very shady, but that's not new. That's been true oh, yeah. for a long time. <laughs> oh, I know. And it, and it gets the best of them all too. Cause I remember one record label that I was a big fan of and, and I heard the founder's origin story and it was powerful. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to have this guy on my radio station. And when yeah. I went to interview him, I never got to, you know, but it was one of those things that you could tell he sold out. He sold himself. Yeah. And I went, ah, man, after hearing that origin story, like you sold yourself out. That's not cool. So it's, Weird, right? It's, it's a bad thing, yeah. Okay, so which story do you want to hear? Well, I'll tell you what. So, you know, yeah, this is, like I said, been a great, great conversation here, and, and I love this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, I think what has impacted me, first yeah. of all, like I said, I got the feeling you're just a cool guy. You know, you've got the variety. You've got being a musician, all that. You know, you've got all of those great interests, and, and I connect with people like that because I don't feel like, well, I, I think there's more of us out there than you think there are. But yes. we don't necessarily We're just not know. on TV. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't know where each other's at because everyone says, you yeah. know, go to where your audience is at. And people like us, it's like, well, where are we? We're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. But I will say that I know you focused a lot on the health side of things. And when I picked up Wild Diet, you know, I started reading through it. And I liked how you said, you know, it's a lifestyle. But something in there really got me that I, I thought was fantastic was one is you were fed a bunch of lies and this goes to what we were even just talking about how, you know, the music industry and the movie industry, they're all in it for the money. They're all in it for the bottom line. And you said, so is the food industry. And yeah. these are the things you don't hear. These are the things that when I tell people, you know, these foods you're buying, they don't care about you. And remember, everyone's like, oh yeah, right. Whatever. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about, Brian. And yeah. I'm like, no, dude, seriously, read this book. And of course they're like, no, I'm good. Even though they're sick and fat and everything else. Yeah. And I've got a friend who's dealing with a lot of serious health issues right now. And I remember going to him and saying, try this because his doctor, he's got diabetes, right? His doctor mm-hmm. prescribes sugar-free candy. Yep. I'm like, come on. So one thing that I really appreciated about your book is your history, where you've been, the lies that you've seen, you know, yeah. from the horse's mouth sort of thing and how you've changed your life to say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to fight against this. I don't know. Share a little bit about that. I know we've only got a little bit amount of time. But of I'd love to hear some of that. Well, as I was paying off my loans <laughs> before I was happily broke, I had to make money doing something. And so I took a job in Washington, D.C. as a consultant and I worked for a couple of different firms. But we worked with some of the 
big companies in food and technology and oil and gas and alternative energy. But there was one particular instance of being around people in the, the food and beverage industry, a big company that you guys would recognize. And uh, it was for a coffee creamer. Mm. And basically there are all these different like flavors and they're <laughs> usually gimmicky and fatty and, oh, and yeah. what have you. And I'm just like, so what's your favorite flavor guys? You know, just asking a stupid question to try to like break the ice a little bit. And they said, oh yeah, we, we don't have this stuff. We don't even feed it to our kids. And I was like, why? And they said, cause it's all chemicals. <laughs> and I was just, that was another one of those moments that just shook me. And I'm like, God, I feel like I was raised that and then told that people are good and that you should treat everyone well. And yeah. then you just, and then all of a sudden you're in the world and you have these moments where you're like, how does this change how I interact with everything from now on? Right. Because at the same time, when I hear count chocula, it does something inside me and I know it's the commercials that I saw as a kid, right? Like I didn't even have cable but I would go to my friend's house and I know that it's the cartoons on the front. Like this stuff is programmed into us and it's designed to be. And it was also, you know, I studied brain science as an undergrad because I'm geeky like that. And they hire people. I just did it as an undergrad, but people obviously study this for their entire lives. And they hire the big food industry, hire some of the smartest ones to work with their marketing and food science department to make their food as addictive as possible mm. so that you can't help yourself, but keep coming back to buy their products over and over again. And it's got to stop. <laughs> At yeah, some point, yeah. we have to just reach this point where we're like enough. And I think we're kind of there in a way because you can see that there's all of a sudden this these groups that are appearing in society where it's like, all right, these people are teaming up and it seems like they're all getting better. And then there's the other side of people who are like, eh, yeah, whatever. And they're clearly getting worse. So hopefully, by collaborating and doing fun stuff like this, we can help people connect with each other or at least know that you do have people someplace. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right? good. So I find it interesting too that, you know, of course the prescribed diet for you was, you know, low fat, whole mm -hmm. grain, you know, eat all this junk. And, and, and that's just what goes along. You know, that's what the doctors say. Not all of them. Obviously some are starting to come around, which is great. You tried that. It made you fat, made you sick, didn't work. That's right. I was running, you know, over three miles a week. I was exercising a lot. I did have a desk job. That doesn't help. But I was eating low fat as, as low fat as I ever had. I was eating low calorie. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff that I was eating came from the healthy snacks program at my workplace, which was, you know, bought and paid for by the same companies that I was talking about before. So it's like, <laughs> of course, I could have my zero calorie <laughs> jello and, yeah. and zero fat cream cheese and oh, just the monstrosities that they come up with. Or they're so soulless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and eventually, yeah, I, I became overweight. I was on a half dozen different prescription medications, felt like I was in my 40s, but was in my early 20s. And it found very quickly that going down that path of following, you know, traditional care from the system, listening to what my doctor said in the fitness magazines, my running magazines, I was in a bad place. And when I lost all my stuff, including all my instruments, all my notebooks of, of art and poetry that I had written, like that, all that happened at the same time. And, and I just decided to make health my project hmm. to say, okay, so my whole life is out of control, but let's just, <laughs> I've got a project here. I looked at my fat face in the mirror and I'm like, let's work on this one first. Yeah. And I was so shocked by how quickly I improved 
And all of a sudden, like you could put me on the front of a magazine with that body after a little more than a month, like from being about 30 pounds overweight. Mostly I was just super inflamed. I was eating food that was clearly toxic. That was clearly bad for me, but recommended by my doctor in conjunction with the antidepressant that he gave me to help me sleep. He said, he's like, listen, you don't need an antidepressant, but this will help you sleep. So, you know, take this. And And that was just one of the six. But anyway, so if people are listening and they're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Here's what I recommend just like basically in a sentence. (laughs) If you're trying to make a healthy meal, start with veggies, not fruits and veggies. You want veggies and fruits kind of in that order. But that should be the majority of like the food volume that you eat is green, leafy, fibrous things. You combine that with uh, maybe a quarter of your plate or, or about the size of your palm of a protein, which could be fish. But make it wild caught. Don't have this, you know, fake farm fish, yeah. industrial food. Don't fall for that. That's fake fish, essentially. Yeah. Go for the real, you know, wild caught stuff or eggs or you could even do beans if you don't choose to eat meat. So some source of protein combined with a fiber and then don't be afraid of healthy fats. And those are the kinds that come from olive oil, coconut oil, grass fed butter, things like that. The real fats are good. The fake ones, canola, any restaurant oil for the most part, fried oils, things like that, stay away from that. But if you just make a plate that includes the things that I talk about and make that the majority of your meals, you will get like 50 to 75% of the benefits. Like just imagine that plate, do the best you can. You don't want to uh, load up on processed carbs, sugars, and, and most grains. Stay away from, not gluten, but stay away from modern wheat. Stay away from these high glycemic processed gluten-free foods, whatever is supposed to be healthy. You know, if it says that it's healthy on the label, it's probably not. Yeah, (laughs) so true. Yeah. Well, and I liked what you said too, is, you know, eating kind of like our grandparents ate, you know, most of Mm -hmm. them ate natural foods. It wasn't processed. It wasn't, you know, cheapened down, wasn't GMO modified. You know, it was just, it was real food. It was grown in the ground. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why I call it the wild Diet, because diet isn't supposed to mean starving yourself. The word actually means, and I'm a word geek for sure. That's another thing that I definitely geek out on. But diet is supposed to mean the food that a person or an animal habitually eats. So it's reclaiming that word. And wild represents nature. This is eating the way that nature intended. Because there are some foods that humans just shouldn't eat. Like venom can be 100% protein for example, yeah. but you shouldn't put that in your protein shake. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the, you know, a lot of supplement products start out actually as waste products oh. and that's how they buy them for pennies on the dollar. Then they mark them up to $47 or $97 or whatever. And that's how a lot of the industry works. And so you really have to watch yourself. The people who are, t- I realized the reason that I got fat and sick is because I was trying to be healthy. I was sicker than the guys in my friend group who just like didn't care, Hmm. you know, who were going out and doing things that they knew were super unhealthy and not running 30 miles a week. I was fatter and sicker than them because I was trying to be healthy. Hmm. And that's what really ticked me off. (laughs) Yeah. And part of that I think has to do with stress, right? Because you're stressed out and stress causes, like you said, inflammation and other things like that. Yep. Yep. Sure does. Oh my gosh. So there are a lot of things that go on at the same time, but also when you're eating modern wheats, some of the compounds in there mimic opioid or opiate like effects. So they can actually, if you have a tendency or genetic history for, you know, bipolar disorder or depression or, or things like that, 
it can get worse if you eat certain processed foods. We know that for a fact. And so when you kick some of those out, all of a sudden you notice your personality changes. You're not hungry all the time. You have your life back. You have more energy. And this isn't something where it's like, hey, I have this magical pill and I sell it. And that's the way that I teach people to be healthy. It's like, no, just stop doing most of the stuff that you see out there on TV, in the magazines or, or what have you. Do the good old fashioned stuff that you know your grandmother would love you to be doing, like <laughs> eating your vegetables, eating fresh foods, eating things that were recently alive and well. Practice common sense every day. Move your body sometimes, have some fun with it, but you don't need a treadmill. Your grandmother did not have a treadmill and certainly great grandmothers and anyone who came before that. It's ridiculous. We have more treadmills than ever and you know, upwards of 70% of people now are obese or overweight mm -hmm. and that's just nuts. Yeah, and it's so, primarily diet, like you said. It's, yes. You've said it that is, to me too, yeah. It is 80% diet. So a lot of, like I just had one guy on the show named Tommy Whitaker, He's lost over 110 pounds now wow. without exercising. Wow. He's just done it with diet because he was so overweight that he couldn't really exercise. Same thing with Kurt when I was working with him on the ABC TV show. When he was 352 pounds, he couldn't really work out. I mean, it's not smart. It's much smarter to do, take the energy that you have because life is hard, direct it to trying to clean up your diet. And then once you get a bit of energy after that happens for a few weeks and your body starts fueling more efficiently, then you get a boost in energy and then you'll want to go do something cool. So by the end of 14 weeks, not only was Kurt down 87 pounds, he went rock climbing. Oh, I love it. You know, he yeah. went from being 352 pounds to rock climbing in, you know, less than four months. And that's the stuff that I get stoked about. So anyway, I'm, I'm just about out of time, but yeah, um, yeah, no, it's been super fun. Oh, I appreciate this so much. And, and I'll tell you, and, and I haven't really promoted it much just because I try not to be like a commercial on my show, but I have talked about so many foods here on the real Brian show and most of the, the healthy ones that I talk about, you know, my, my cheat foods, of course, and those are the fun ones, but most of the healthy foods have yeah. come from the wild diet book because it's Aww. not only a book, but it's a cookbook. And honestly, I will tell you that my wife's a great cook. I enjoy cooking too, but most of the recipes in your book have not only been like, wow, this is good, but they've been exceptional. They've been some of the wow. best foods I've ever had. And Thank I'm very picky. Uh, there's a, a couple in there, you know, I, it's just not my taste buds, but you know, Hey, of but, course. Yeah, of course. Right. But yeah. I know other people have loved them. Like Sarah loved them and, and I didn't, and that was fine. And then vice versa. But yeah, I've talked about the bacon wrapped scallops that comes from the book. So I highly, <laughs> highly recommend this book. It's amazing, but I'd love to have you back on at some point here so we can talk even a little bit more. And, um, I got to work on my six, my eight pack. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> the next step. That's right. It's way more boring than you think. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, that, my, my biggest I mean that in multiple ways. the belly fat. So I just, yeah. I just, and for me, it's not about, we'll get you there, Brian. It's not about you. taking my shirt off. It's about being healthy. So, yeah, of course. And well, you realize that I feel better when I'm leaner, not too lean, yeah. but when I'm leaner and even since the ABC show in teaching other people, you learn a lot of things and I've lost even more than 10 pounds since then, nice. like of not pure flab or whatever, but I am leaner now and I feel better. And you also eat less, which is cool mm. because I also like the belly is the toughest part yeah. really for a lot of people. And that's also yeah, the most potential dangerous. Well, yes, exactly. It yeah. can be dangerous too. If you have too much, a little bit of a pooch, that's fine. But sure. like <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you, uh, it can, it adds on. That's the thing. It builds up really, really quickly, but totally. you can also just turn a couple of dials 
And you'd be surprised what you can achieve if you just stick to it every day. And after doing this for years, I know how to, you know, turn those dials pretty well. And it's fun too. It's, it's really fun. And you kind of do it in cycles. Usually we'll fatten up a little bit during the winter time. Then we'll, uh, totally. you know, slim down a little bit. And that's just what humans are meant to do. If you ever watch a bear in nature, oh, yeah. have at it, man. It makes you sense. know, have, have a big meal, go hibernate sometimes. That's what life is all about. <laughs> Move to Hawaii. On that note, I, yeah. I really do have to run this <laughs> All time. right. How do we get in touch with you? The easiest way to find me, especially for the food and the fat loss stuff, is fatburningman.com. You can also find the podcast by the same name. And then if you're interested in some of my music or videos or the non-food-related stuff, then go to abeljames.com, and that's A-B-E-L, james.com. I love it. Well, I'll have all the links in the show notes. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, this has been so much fun, Brian. We'll have to do it again soon. I'd love to. You know, I asked that question, what do you nerd out about? And I loved it. Three quarters of our chat was just about nerding out about stuff. That was so much fun. Uh, But I'm glad that Abel was able to share a little bit of his story, a little bit of a teaser into this wonderful health thing. So I'll tell you what, you know, if you're looking to manage a healthy lifestyle, I am not getting paid for this. I I just, I want to be very honest with you. This is me personally endorsing his book, Wild Diet. I love it. I think it's fantastic. He has great recipes in the back. It's helped us with our health. It's helped others I know with their health. My parents have cooked out of it. They're doing really well. It's phenomenal. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I highly, highly, highly recommend you checking out Wild Diet. Listen to his podcast. It's fantastic. Abel, thank you very much. It was a true honor having you on the show, my friend. And uh, man, loved nerding out and having a great time. But uh, yep, go check out Abel's stuff, but also realbrianshow.com. We'll have the show notes and links and everything uh, that Abel is doing. And of course, would love to have more conversations like this. Uh, in the Facebook group. So go join that. And hey, let us know what you thought of this. And if you start experimenting with some of these recipes and everything, I'd love to hear your, you know, your results. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm The Real Brian. Sign it off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.